Praise the Lord. How many glad you came to church today? Amen. You're never disappointed when you get here. I won't ask how many the devil tried to keep out because he does that all the time. Amen. But we're here. Get your Bibles open to the book of Malachi, if you would, this morning. The Lord's put some, something on my heart. I think it might take two or three services to get out everything the Lord's put on my heart. And um, Malachi, if you don't know where that is, is the last book of the Old Testament, so it's not too hard to find. Just find Matthew and go backwards, and you'll find Malachi. I want to talk this morning, and, and possibly for a few services, about God's provision. Amen? God's provision. How many know that God is a provider? And how many know we need God's provision? And uh, this hasn't, it doesn't have anything to do with it, but it did happen this week. If anybody knows, uh, paid attention to the news or anything, the uh, United Kingdom as a whole pulled out of the uh, European Union. And so that immediately caused uh, an, a ripple effect in Wall Street and stocks and, and things like that. And so for, for a lot of people, uh, common people like us that are not billionaires and millionaires, it doesn't really af- seem to affect us because we don't have those things, but it does affect the entire economy of the world. And we've always believed and always trusted in, in the Lord that he is in control of our finances. Amen. I've never met a person in my life who had too much money or too much provision. And we can always use more. And when you find someone who has too much, let, the, let me know. And I'll set up a meeting with them, and we'll get that too much and put it to the gospel. Amen? Send it to Africa. But there's, there's always a need to have more, and I believe this morning God wants to give us more. I believe he wants to prosper us. Um, I've got you in Malachi, but I'll just read a verse for you. You can write it down in your notes. Third uh, John, verse 2, it's not chapter 2, it's just one chapter, says this, and many of you might have heard this uh, verse before he says I pray that in all things and all things means everything you would prosper so if you've ever heard anybody say that God is not a God of prosperity then they're lying and not reading the Bible he does want to prosper us he wants to prosper us greatly I've never met parents good parents who did not want their children to be healthy and blessed and prospered never met a good parent And we have the greatest parent. We have a good father, amen, who loves us and wants to provide for us and wants to take care of us. So this morning and possibly tonight and Wednesday, I don't know how long the Lord will lead, I want to talk a little bit about and do some teaching from the Bible about being faithful with our finances and talking about God's provision. And I believe this will help everybody that's in here uh, in any area of your life that you're in. Uh, There's many different places Uh, that you can be and you could be a person who just got saved and doesn't even know what giving is you could be a person who's been saved a long time and has never learned what godly giving is you could be a person who's been saved a long time and knows what godly giving is but hasn't got the revelation of how important it is to obey there's many different places that we can be at so uh, god will help us by the holy spirit with all of these but i want to look at malachi chapter 3 and give the most clear verse in the Bible. And then I'm going to go to some places that you might not have ever seen or been. I believe that you'll learn something new in this this morning. But Malachi 3, being the last couple chapters of the Old Testament, gives a real clear statement about what God uh, wants from us financially as far as what he expects from us. And it says clearly, just, just to get the most clear one out of the way, in verse 10 it says, Bring all of chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this. I mean, no, that's a powerful verse. Did you know that this is the only place in the whole Bible that God actually says we can test him? The Bible says, don't test the Lord, the Lord your God, but in this verse, he says, try me in this. He says, this is an area that I want you to put me to the test, and and I can tell you this morning, personally, I've been saved almost 24 years. That's, that's, not, that's not forever, but it's a pretty good time. It's not four years. 24 years is quite a while. And I can tell you this morning that in 24 years, 
I have never seen God fail me in finances, ever. Amen? Not one time in my life have I ever seen him fail. Did I just say that I've never struggled? No. Did I just say that I've never had financial problems? No. I've never seen God fail me. And what he's saying is, and if you'll find people who in the world have, have tried tithing and giving offerings to the Lord and being in covenant with God financially, you're not going to find a person on this earth who has seen God fail them because God cannot fail. Now, if they, if they were to have failed, it would have been them, I promise you. If there was honesty and the books were pulled out, there were going to be some times where they weren't faithful with their finances. But if they were faithful, God is faithful. How many believe that this morning? So I want you just to open your hearts and your ears this morning uh, to show you some different things. But let's back up just a couple of verses. And I want to show you a few key things here before we go uh, to the book of Genesis. God says, will a man rob God? Now, I'm not standing up here today to condemn you or, or call you a thief or anything. I'm just giving you the pretext of what God is saying here. And he's saying something very important. He says, will a man rob God? He says, yet you've robbed me. And they say, and what have we robbed you? And he's very clear there in what was, has been robbed. He says, in what? In tithes and offerings. So basically what that means, I'm going to be real simple this morning and real straightforward. That simply means people don't do what they're supposed to do. It means people have not understood that, that God gives us something but expects something back of us, not because God needs money, but because God wants obedience. And, and you'll see that by the time we move forward just a little bit uh, on this subject because you'll see that what God really wants is not your wallet, but your heart. And when God gets your heart, he not only gets your wallet, but he gets everything you have. How many would agree with that this morning, that God wants your heart? Your money and your things are just a part of your heart. But we know that one of the clearest verses in the Bible, and, and, and this is one of the reasons that when, when we talk about giving, as soon as you say giving, just giving, not even money, just giving, that's, that's foreign to our flesh. Our flesh is, we're not born to give. I've said this many, many times before. If we had time and room, we could just pause real quick and just go around that wall to the nursery. And just watch, the, especially the littlest kids. And, and, you know, Gabriel had a birthday yesterday. He got lots of toys. And we could put all those toys in a room. And there could, let's say there was a thousand toys in that room. And as they went in, some kids went into that room, they'd begin to uh, all go play with a toy and, or, and then grab several toys and play. And if they were by themselves, they would just go play with all these different toys. And they might just pick a favorite. But then if you bring another kid in, okay, there's a thousand toys there. And you're playing over here with this toy and they bring another kid in, and that kid goes to that toy, the toy that this kid over here is no longer the one he wants. Out of all the thousand toys, he wants the one that kid has. And you're not going to see the kids in the nursery going, here, take my toy. Here, here. That just doesn't happen, you, you, unless you've taught your kids that, and praise God for that. But the flesh and carnality and nature is we're takers. We're not givers. And so this is a process. This is part of being born again is getting to the place where I begin to realize I want to be generous. I want to be a giver and not a taker. How many know that in life there's only two kinds of people, givers and takers? How many believe that? That's it. There's, you're a giver or you're a taker. I don't know what you are. I don't know what, 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 what you don't know what I am, but everybody's a giver or a taker. And, and, and in every moment, it's like when you think about, okay, we're going to take up an offering for Africa. There's two kinds of attitudes right there. Well, I could throw in a third. The third one might be, oh, I don't care. But two are, oh, man, they're going to ask for money. And the other one is, oh, man, they're asking for money. This is an opportunity for me to be able to give to the kingdom of God. Amen? It's just those two attitudes right there. How many really will just agree with me on that? That's, it's just one or the other. And, and that's not just with giving, that's with serving, that's with coming to church. Oh man, I have to go to church, or oh man, I get to go to church. It's that whole attitude that comes from right here about just giving to the things of the Lord. And so he says, will a man rob God? You've robbed me in tithes and offerings, for you've robbed me even this whole nation. And then he says that statement, bring into the storehouse. 
The storehouse is the church, and I'm going to show you that very clearly in a second. The, the storehouse is the church of God. And, and listen, ministries and, and charities and all the different things that go on in the world are great. I, I used to have a ministry, just a ministry with no church at all. I know what that's like. But tithes are not for ministries. Tithes are for the storehouse. And offerings are for ministries. Amen. And so they exist and they need to be to, to be supported. But he says, bring the tithes. Notice he didn't say bring the tithes and offerings, although we give offerings here. He says, you have to bring the tithes into the storehouse. Why? So there'll be food in my house. In other words, so that the church can exist. You know, we're sitting here in a very nice building. Could it be nicer? Yes. Could it be worse? Yes. Amen. <laughs> We're sitting here in a very nice building. We have air conditioning. We have lights on. We have uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of air flowing right now that costs a lot of money. Amen. All these things, just to be able to sit here, cost money. The, st the, the storehouse has to be supported, and God chose to use us. He chose to use every single one of us to do it. So he says, bring them in, that there will be food in my house. And then he says, try me now on this. And look at the next verse. This is pretty powerful. I want to give you a revelation of what happens to people when they're struggling, and I'm not saying that you won't have struggles, but I'm saying when they're struggling and struggling and struggling and the struggle never ceases is usually this is not happening because the tin's not happening. Verse 11 says, says the Lord of hosts, test me this, if, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it now something that's funny about this is and i love i love to think about this that's what um malachi 3 11 10 oh it's still part of 10 sorry it's funny because some people will say people that don't want to pay tithes and people that don't want people to pay tithes they'll say man that's just one verse that's you're just taking one verse out of the bible which is not true there's a lot of verses but they'll say you're just focusing on that one verse if i read a verse that says god's going to open the heavens upon me that's a good verse to hang out on amen that's a good verse to see when god says he wants to bless me and there won't be enough room for me to receive it that's not a bad verse to focus on it's not a bad verse to love you know, some people say, well, there's, you know, John 3, 16, I'm not, not focus on one verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's a good verse to focus on. It's not the only one about salvation, but it's a good one to focus on. But we see here God, the God of heaven, the heavens saying, I want to bless you and open up heaven's doors so you'll have so much you can't receive it. And then watch what happens, amen, in 11. He says, then if you do that, if you're covenant people, he does something here, and this is where people miss it. Y'all still looking at your Bibles? Verse 11, he says, if you're in covenant with me, if you give your tithes, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. You know what that means? That means that when I have a refrigerator go out, or when I have a tire blow, or when I have a situation happen, the devil gets rebuked for that. The devil gets put back, and the devil, God says, no, that, my child is a covenant child, and so I'm going to take care of that flat tire. I'm going to take care of that refrigerator. I'm going to take care of that bill, but when you don't tithe, and you're not in covenant with God, God's like this, and he can't do anything to protect you from from when the devourer comes so when we're, we're faithful in our tithes and we give to the lord what's his he pro not only provides but he protects he not only provides but he protects how many know it doesn't do any good to be blessed if the blessing's not protected so you could have a lot of things but those things can be stolen and there's no better security system in the world than god and God takes care of his people. So how many just see there, I just wanted to throw that out. There might be somebody here who's never, ever heard a message on giving. So you might not have known it's, it's so clear there in the Bible. But I want you to go uh, to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the book of Genesis. And I want to show you something, a few things very powerful in the book of Genesis. Most people um, don't go to the book of Genesis to talk about God's provision. But how many know that's where it all started? God's provision started in the garden. 
You think about the universe that God created and, and then he wants us to be a part of that universe he created by allowing us to govern and have dominion over what he's given us is a powerful thing. So I want you to see a principle. Many of you have heard this, but I, I know there's some people that haven't. I want to show you something important here. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. Give me an amen when you're there. That's another easy book to find. So far we're doing really good on easy books. Last book of the old, first book of the old. You there? So God has created the heavens and the earth. God has created uh, man. And now God has said to man, I want you to multiply the earth. I want you to go and, and I want you to live in this awesome, amazing place that I've given you. And he begins to recount the history of, of creation. And then we see in verse 8 that God planted a garden. That's why we call it the Garden of Eden. Eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he formed. Now I want you to pay attention to these verses because, and look at me just for a second before we read these, God is a God of principles. Okay, principles. So that means when he sets something in place, that it, it's something, it's a foundation that we go off of. Okay, And so he's a God of principles. And the principle of giving and the principle of taking is right in the very beginning in Genesis. And God knew man's heart. And I have to say this again, just, just to put it out there, make it clear, to remind you again, God never predestined that we would fail. It was not God's intent to set us up to fail. He did not create us and say, I, 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 I'm going to create man to fall. He knew that man would fall, but he did not predestine us to fall. How many see the difference? There's a bit, you have to understand that difference. He knew it, but he didn't do it. He set us up to pass. He set us up to be blessed. He didn't make the Garden of Eden to tease us. The Garden of Eden was supposed to be lived in. We have a hard time understanding that today because we're in a flawed world with sin and we look at this world and we don't, we don't understand what it would have been like to not have sin on the earth. We can't understand that. We don't know what it would have been like to have uh, perfection and how God intended it because we, we are in, now under the fallen nature of sin from Adam and Eve and we, we are, are, are born into sin because of that. But then at that time, he had a perfect plan and he had a plan for them to do great things. And look at verse 9. He says, out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now watch this. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then he goes on, and I don't want to take time to read talks about a couple of rivers not that they're not important but not for what i'm talking about go to verse 15 and it says the lord god took the man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it and god commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now I want to show you a principle here that's very important. God, when he talks about finances and giving us things, is a God who gives us everything. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So if you have anything good, it's from God. Listen, your job is from God this morning. Your health is from God this morning. If you have a car, it's from God this morning. If you live in a place that has a roof on it, it's from God this morning. Everything that you have that's good is from God, and God gives us everything. But he says, I want you to take something that I don't want you to touch. Okay, I want you to see this principle. He says, everything's yours but the tithe. And this principle is all the way back in the Garden of Eden. It doesn't say anything about tithes there, but it's the principle of God saying, all this is yours, but. And when you begin to think about tithes, he says, all the money's yours, but. And then you have to understand, if God had not mentioned in Genesis, it's there. In Malachi, it's there. Jesus mentioned it again, although that's another thing people try to say is that Jesus never talked about it. It, it says tithe for a reason. Tithe means tenth. If, if, if God would have left it up to us, 
I'm not going to say that there's not some people who might not have chose 50. Okay? There might have been some people who said, we'll give 50%, God. We'll give half. But going back to the nursery, as human beings, we probably would have given nothing, first of all, if it would have been left up to us. If God had said, hey, I want you to give something back, and we would have been like, no, it's okay, thanks. First of all, right? But then if we had to give something, how many know the first number after zero is one? We'd probably give 1%. We'd probably, okay, God, I'll give you 1%. I'll give you my first percent that I get. How many know that even though 10 doesn't sound very high, a lot of people wouldn't have chose 10. They'd have chose nine numbers below 10. A lot of times we think of 10 being a lot until you you start thinking stingy. And then you start thinking, man, did it nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, or a lot of numbers that I could have chose besides ten? How many are following me on that? But God said a tenth. That's what tithe means. So He says, "I give you the garden, but don't touch my tithe." That's the principle that He shows here. Now, still in Genesis, go to chapter twenty-eight with me, and I want to talk about Jacob a little bit this morning. And I want, to, I want you to understand as we're looking at this this morning and, 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 and just doing a little bit of series on this, it's again, it's not just about money, it's about God's heart with our heart connecting to see the kingdom of God go forth. And this is going to have to be something that clicks on in your spiritual light bulb this morning. It's going to have to be something that you get and it's going to be, have to be something that you choose to do, not out of compulsion, but because God says, let me show, let me show you how I am so you, you can be how I am because God's a giver. How many know God's a giver? For God so gave his only begotten son. God is a giver, and God doesn't give leftovers. God gives the best. Amen. God gives the very best. He's not a God of leftovers. He didn't say, well, let me choose one of these angels up here, that the least of the angels. Let me see, which one of you guys is the most worthless angel up here? Let me choose you to go down. No, he took his son. He got the very best. And he took that and he gave it to us in this world. Now, now a connection has to happen between a prosperous heart and a prosperous soul. Okay? He says there in 3 John 2, I pray that in all things you would prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. Your soul is your attitude. Your soul is your thought pattern. Your soul is your actions and your reactions and your approach to life. And what's funny to me, I'm just going to throw out something that's funny to me, is that before we get saved, you know, you get into church and you start learning about tithing and giving to God. And, and as you know, in this church, we, 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 we talk about offerings in the service and we give a verse, but we don't spend hours on it. We don't talk about it all the time. We just teach the principles. But it's funny because a lot of people who have troubles with tithing are people who would take their paycheck and blow it on Friday night when they got it Friday afternoon. I'm going to let that marinate for a second. Right? No problem at all throwing down a 20 somewhere for some beers or throwing down a 20 for a tip somewhere or, or just going out and buying drinks for everybody, including people you don't know. No problem buying drugs. No problem going out and buying clothes. No problem doing all kinds of crazy things with your money. But then God says, you know what? I'd like to have a tenth of a covenant. Let me make a deal with you so that I can prosper you. And we're like, nope. You kidding me? How do we change that so fast? We don't look at it. You know what it is? It's a heart issue. When you really begin to think, let me, let me throw it out this way to you. I, I got to get down to your level for a second. Some of y'all are, aren't quite with me yet. Okay? If a man or a woman was really proud, there's some people in this world that got a lot of money. Okay? How many ever watched Shark Tank? I, me and my girls love to watch Shark Tank. I'm very interested by that. Those, those people are filthy rich, and they take ideas in there. And, and when they make a deal with those people, they're making a deal with somebody who has had some success with dinero. 
Amen. They have made money out of nothing. And so they're sitting there going, man, if I can strike a deal with one of these sharks, and for anybody that lives in a cave and doesn't know what Shark Tank is, they come in with a business idea, and there's four or five millionaires, some billionaires, and they throw out their idea, and then they choose if they want to buy into it, and they'll give them money, and they'll become part of their company, and they'll help fund it, and then they get a percentage of it. So they'll say, give me $200,000, and I'll give you 10% of this company. So if that 200000 turns into a million, then you get 10% of that. And they make a deal like that, okay? So they, they get their money back. So if you were, knew somebody this morning who was filthy rich, and they had houses and cars and, and all kinds of things that this world would say is great, and they came to you and said, I want to make a deal with you. If you would just give me 10% of what you have right now, I will bless you beyond measure. I will bless you in ways that you cannot contain. I will, I will give you a life that will be better than any life you've ever had. How many know that there is not one person in here this morning that would not take that deal? You would be, I'm not talking about spiritually. I'm talking about carnally. Someone came to you and said, give me 10% of what, 10% of what you have right now, and I will turn that into you. I'll make you a millionaire. Yet we have God, not some billionaire, God, who says... I want you to give me 10% of what you have in covenant with me and I promise you that I will take care of you. I promise you that I will bless you. I promise you I'll pour out blessings upon you that you can't contain. And we sit there and go, eh, let me think about that, God. I don't know. Amen? You have a testimony? All right, I'm going to get to that in a second. I want, I want a couple testimonies. Y'all still here? Who would take that deal? I would. And all the smart people raise their hands. Amen. Why not? And God says, God, 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 the God of the universe says, I'll, I want to make a deal with you. Let's be in covenant. I'm going to bless you. You just give me back 10%. And I'll take that 10% and I'll use it for my kingdom. And I'll bless you more than you could ever contain. Amen. So we see here a principle. I want you to understand this. Your attitude, your thought patterns, your actions. See, I can't, I can't move forward until we understand that I can't even grasp this till my thoughts are right, till my heart's right, till I do realize that I used to throw a lot of money away on nothing, till I do realize that. Some of you are sitting here blinded by your, by your intentions that you used to throw a lot of money away. And it didn't have to be on alcohol and drugs. It could have been on a credit card. It could have been on something you didn't need. It could have been on food. It could have been on clothes. Amen. I'm just trying to get you to understand that we, we throw money around like crazy and don't, you know, don't even think twice about it until God says, will you come into covenant with me and help me finance the kingdom? And then all of a sudden, we are stingy. How is that possible? So look at this, Genesis chapter 28. This is Jacob, who's Abraham's son. And he has seen God prosper his dad. And he has seen God multiply the provision of Abraham's life. And so now God comes to Jacob. I want you to look at verse 10 of 28. Are you there? And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place. Remember a few weeks ago when I talked about the church, that it was a place? It's a place that we come. It's, a, it's an actual place that we come together. I want to see you see that word again. It says, he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head sound like a great pillow to me and lay down in that place to sleep and he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold the Lord stood above and said now watch this I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. How many have ever heard somebody say that we believe in the God of Abraham and Isaac 
and Jacob. The reason we say that is because of the covenant that is placed upon our lives with that. And we know there's a lot of gods. But we believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because we are in covenant today with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. So in a way here, we are seeing what I just said. We're seeing a, a God come down and say, I want, I want to make a deal with you. I want, I want to do something with you that, that's going to blow you away. And he says, also, verse 14, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, meaning a lot. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families, how many? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. How many see that we come from that? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, through you, all the families, that means everybody, shall be blessed. Now watch this. Behold, verse 15. I am with you. This is a promise. How many like promises? I love promises. How many of us don't really, really take the promises serious enough with God? He's a God who promises, and he's a God who can't lie or fail. So he says, I want to make you a promise, Jacob, and also us, because he said down to the families, all the families of the earth will be blessed to you. I'm with you. And will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. That's an awesome promise. Can you read that with me again? Behold, I'm with you and I will keep you wherever you go. How, that's provision. And will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I've done what I've spoken to you and then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said surely watch this surely the Lord is in this what place and I did not know it now I want to throw something out real quick here to make it clear we know today that some people are will hear that and say oh you're trying to make this building the church this is the place the church meets we the people are the church. And I'm not saying that we're not, but there's something special about a place where God's hand is, where God says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It's a place he's talking about. Okay? And, and so we, we can't get so caught up in understanding that, we, yes, we're the church physically, and when we walk out of here, we're still the church, but there's something special about being in the right place at the right place. Come on, help me out. Doing the right. All right. There's something about that. Every time you see the blessing of God fall in the Bible, they're at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing. So we're trying to be at the right place, at the right time, doing the right thing this morning. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Now keep with me, 17. And he was afraid and said, I like the New King James Version, how awesome is this place? How awesome is this place? This is none other than what? The house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Somebody let this sink into you. There is a tie between the house and the gate of heaven. There is a tie between the place that God establishes his covenant with, where people come together, and that place and heaven. We always talk about how when we have an altar call and we come down and we are all worshiping together and we feel the presence of the Lord so powerfully and so strongly, and I tell you right now, we are practicing for heaven. This is what heaven is going to be like because when God's people are in God's place worshiping him, there's an open door to heaven. Amen. How many see that? And so when I understand that I begin to tie my finances and my giving to the place where heaven is, and I'm giving to a place where God's kingdom is being preached, there's something that the devil...
devil hates about that because it's a place where the gospel is touching lives and like Dwayne said we are being chosen by God for, to say yes to what he's calling us to do and then as we're in God's house the windows of heaven open up not just physically not just spiritually not just financially not just in our health but all of the above together amen when we are in the house of God there's a door that opens up and God is pleased by the aroma of obedience that comes out of this place there's something supernatural that happens can somebody be blessed this morning laying on their bed and not be in church God can do whatever he wants but there's something special about being in the place that God said to be I'm going to get through this part right here. Still with me? Keep reading. So we've, sorry, before you read, we've seen an encounter. He has a dream. He's following in his father's footsteps. He's in covenant with God, and God says, this is the place I want to establish. And what he's saying is basically, um, Jacob tries to make, make the physical place something, but it's the principle. Okay, it's just like when, when they went up, Peter went up with the mountain on the Mount of Transfiguration and he saw, uh, you know, Moses and he saw uh, Elijah and he saw Jesus transfigure. As he's looking at that, he tried to say, hey, let's set up a temple right here. This place is holy. And, and he, so he was just trying his best to, to make that place holy. So we are not trying to make the building holy. We're not making a shrine. We're not making a place that people worship. We're making a place people worship at. We're not worshiping the building. We're worshiping Jesus in the building. And so he's making a point here, though, that there is a place, but that we're not putting the emphasis on that place because as Jacob moved, as they moved a lot then, he did not leave the place that the stairway of heaven came down to. Stairway of heaven went with him where he went as long as he was in covenant with God. As long as he was still understanding that if I leave Costa Rica and come to Denton, then that, that, that God is, wherever I go to establish the place, his hand's going to be there. His presence is going to be there. His provision is going to be there. So it says in verse 18, Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. Now watch this. He called that place Bethel. Bethel means where God is. Okay? Bethel means where God is. So he says, put that name on the city that had previously been loose. And Jacob, watch this, made a vow. I want you to tie all this together with me this morning. Jacob made a vow and said, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And watch this. And the stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you amen that's powerful because we're seeing the tie-in so many people try to say you know what, what, what where did God say and where did Jesus say you know you got to tithe this is a revelation to Jacob from God he has shown him the staircase of heaven and he's trying to show us the tie between linking our finances and our things with his, with the principle of the garden that says you can have everything, but what I want is that and we don't see a number in the garden, but now Jacob in, in the 28th chapter of Genesis in the beginning says through his spirit that God spoke to him, I'm going to give a tenth. And that's where it began. I'm going to give a tenth. Now, if God would have revealed to, to Jacob five, a fifth, it would have been a fifth. If God would have revealed to him half, it would have been a half. We are just following, as Bible believers, what God said through Jacob on that place. 
How many understand that? We're just simply following that. So people say, why a tithe? Why a tenth? Because that's what the Bible says. It's what he said he did. And we see that he was blessed. We see that his, we're, we're his descendants on, on this earth. And so we're following in Jacob's footsteps. And right before I have just a couple testimonies this morning to close out, I want you to think about this. What we're talking about here, because we, we get taught a lot of things growing up. Maybe it's a little bit of church, a lot of church. It's a religion. It's a sect. It's a whatever. We, we learn a lot of things and hear a lot of things. And people try to make different doctrines and beliefs out of things. And so one of the things that I've heard, because you know, the way, one of the ways I preach is I like to take what I've heard or people teach and say, okay, well, that's what they say. Well, let's look at this. And one of the things people try to say is that tithing was under the law. Do you have people today that say we don't have to tithe? And again, you're right. We don't have to tithe. We get to tithe. We don't have to go to heaven either. But we get to go to heaven. Amen. So they say the tithe was under the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. And so we don't have to give tithe. We just give whatever we want. And besides the fact that that's scary. Amen. It's not biblical because if you know the order of the Bible, this was before the law was established. Amen. The law had not been established yet. Moses had not come on the scene yet. And so you can't say that's of the law because it was before the law. This had already happened in the Old Testament, very beginning, Abraham and Jacob tithed. And then Moses came on and put it into practice. And then later on, you see in the Bible where people try to say, well, Jesus never talked about it. And I want to remind you of something. If something's not readdressed in the New Testament, it goes on. It, there was no reason for, for Paul and the New Testament preachers to say, uh, we don't have to tithe anymore because they still tithed. They didn't have to say those words because it was never changed. The last book of the Old Testament going into the New Testament said, will a man rob God? And so I want to I have a couple of testimonies this morning, but I want, I want to start this off, and, and listen, I really believe in my heart that God is just looking to adjust our hearts. He's not trying. I love what Pastor Jones always said to me, and I learned in the last 15 years from him. He says, God, and this is such a true statement, God is not trying to get money from you. That's not God's intention. God's intention is to get money to you. He's a, he's a blesser. How many, how many know that he's a blesser? I mean, he is, he is not a God that withholds good things, amen? He is a God that wants to bless us. And, and you know our heart in this church. I'm not, we don't preach what they call a prosperity message, a prosperity gospel, where we're naming it and claiming it. And if you give this much, you know, I could have I said this morning like they do on TV, uh, Genesis 28, 22. You know, if you'll give a check today after service for $28.22. Bless God, you will have lots of money in your bank account when you get home, even though it's Sunday and nothing changes on Sundays. Amen. That's how you'll know. We don't do that. I'd be like Mr. T and say, I pity the fool that does that. Those people are in trouble. We don't want nothing to do with that. I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you the stuff. I'm teaching you Bible principles about what the word of God says to be in covenant with God. And those people are going to have to answer to God. They're in trouble for the stuff they're teaching. But God is a prosperous God. And I think I preached that, I did that revival, so I don't remember. I think I preached the message where I talked about how God's character is more than enough. Didn't we talk about the loaves and the fishes? And was that here? And he had food left over. And he even said, go count the baskets. And there was abundance. It wasn't just enough to feed the 5,000, but there was more than enough. It's the God we serve. He's a God of more than enough so that we can give and help others. But that doesn't happen if you're not in covenant with God. Amen? Brenda, give us a testimony. And Paul. Okay. No. Um, we've been married 20 years now. Uh, and next year, but 
Anyway, so when we were um, pregnant with Parker and Ryan, well, growing, growing up, I gr grew up in a real religious home and a lot of fighting in my family, my mom and dad, financially, about all the finances, and I heard it all my life. But when I got into on my own and off of my own, my mom would always say, are you tithing? Are you tithing? So I grew up being taught to tithe, but I never really understood the blessings of it. So then um, when we got married and we were, we were saved and we were having babies, and I quit my job when Parker was born, and so we were only living on one income at the time. And so I think a lot of my issue in life was fear, like how is God going to do this because I can't do it. I was always, I got to take charge and I got to do it. And so um, we got taught on the 10%. We got taught on first fruits at our church. And so Paul um, was the provider in our home. And it was where we could barely even make our electric bills. We were barely able to make it each month after giving up my income. And so the teachings on first fruit, I was very fearful. And I couldn't really take it under faith that God was going to take care of us with only one income. And so I was like, we can't. And we always tithed, but it was always whatever we had left over. You know, $20 here, $50 here, $100 here, and there was no stability. Wait, which wasn't a tithe, right. you know. Right. It was, we called it that, but that really, truly wasn't a tithe. Right. So. And so we um, had a pastor, uh, like a, one of the pastors at the church, kept praying over us and kept feeling led to pray over us to, to save our checkbook, basically. And... Um, he said, just, just try it. Just write that check first. Whenever you, Paul gets his paycheck, just write it first. And it took us about a month before we kept talking about it. So we finally did it. And um, at the meantime, like three months prior, um, Paul had a guy at church who kept saying, give me your resume, give me your resume. And he had had a big demotion at work. And so not only had I given up my job, then he got demoted at work. And then so this was all going on about tithing. So then um, real quick, I'll break it down. <laughs> that, so we started tithing, and not even a month later, that guy was bringing his daughter over to babysit, and I said, he's coming to our house. Give him your resume. And it had been like two months now that we hadn't given him his resume. So he goes to the office the next day, and his boss goes, um, so-and-so's leaving. Do you know anybody? And he's like, yeah, this resume. I just got it yesterday. He got this amazing job after we started tithing and being faithful. And then, so then that was just a huge, it was a big sign-on bonus and all this stuff, and we're like, that was God. That was God. I mean, we knew right then that that was God. And so then um, then we started. I had a vision in the shower for our business. And so then I, I told him about our, the vision I had. And he's like, well, you do that because you're real estate, and I'll do the IT stuff. And Well, well there was a lot more to that story. <laughs> I, I had gotten this new job, and within a year, we got a new CEO. And, you know, they always make promises. Our politicians make promises. Your boss makes promises. They're people. They're going to let us down. Anyway, he goes, we're going to keep our Dallas office. It's headquarters. Nobody has to worry about anything. We get this new CEO a year later. He goes, well, I want everybody on my executive staff, which I was a part of, to either move to Connecticut, yeehaw, or Minnesota, where I could just freeze to death. And, you know, we had family here. Brenda, her folks were still living. You know, my parents live here. I've got brothers and their families. And it's like, God, really? Really? We didn't want to move. We didn't want to move, and we wanted to stay here. But we kept being faithful with our tithing. Right. So to make a long story short, um, we had that vision in the shower, and then we started praying the prayer of Jabez, which Pastor has mentioned right. a couple services ago. And God bless us indeed and increase our territory and keep our hand, keep us from evil. And so to bless our, ter increase our territory so that when you open up your hands and you ask God to give to you, let it flow through my fingers, Lord. Let it flow through our fingers. Give us this vision for our business to open up the doors of heaven so that we can, and so we even named the company Mansion Minder so that, you know, we're helping mansions or we're going to have mansions in heaven. So anyway, God opened the doors and the prayer of Jabez and then not having fear and just stepping out in faith. And God's continued to, to bless us, and we got great godly. I mean, it's not just finances. He's given us health. He's given us blessings with our great children that are serving the Lord, that are going to be prosperous and to serve others, and um, a great husband, and to help me and put up with me. But <laughs> so. and, and you know it's fear, and pastor has taught us fear stands for 
false evidence appearing real. Satan wants to lie to us, and he can do a wonderful job. And it's funny, we believe. We want to believe Satan over God, and God has promised us through a covenant. Oh, my gosh. And, and you know, it, it's just so amazing. We do have problems. You know, we still go through struggles and, and financial problems, and 2009 and 10 was really bad for us. But we were still faithful. And we have to be faithful in the good and the bad. And, and yeah, yeah, we love Dave Ramsey. If you've ever heard of Dave Ramsey, he's a Christian financial guy and can tell you how to get through the humps and bumps of, you know, just struggling with your finances. That's a whole different story. But, but yeah, don't let Satan lie to you. He will, he will do that so easily, and you can walk away from, from God's blessings by just listening to Satan. So. Amen. Kristen, if you'll come play something. Amen. I want one more. Dana, come on up here. And I want to maybe over the next couple services... I only got into the first paragraph of six pages of notes, so I think I can preach on this for a couple days. Um, but I want to I want to talk about it some more tonight and Wednesday night and challenge you to listen to these things and say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this. That's the word. I'm gonna try this. But I want to explain something on that at the altar call. So. Okay, so <clears throat> I don't know if y'all were all here for, it was a Wednesday night, and Pastor preached on um, asking God for big. Um, in my notebook that I take my notes in, my, the title was big, and um, he had us come up here and give it all to God and ask him for something big. Well, when we first started tithing, I had given a testimony because... Uh, we were just struggling, and right after, you know, we had prayed and started tithing, I got a raise. Well, then, this last time, I was like, well, I don't want to pray for a raise. I don't want to pray for money. Yeah, we, I always need money. I'm a girl, but, um, and I'm, I'm my mother's daughter, but um, I wanted something bigger than just money. I wanted an opportunity to be seen and to be heard. Um, not just so I can preach to people, but so I can be a light. Because I was in such a dark, dark place when I gave my life back to the Lord. And um, I started, I know you girls are probably bugged by me in all my videos, um, but I do videos all the time, and I have ladies buying makeup from me that message me, private messenger, going, you said something that just reached me, and I just want to thank you because I'm going through this. Well, let me pray with you, and I'm praying with ladies via messenger. Well, that night, I asked <clears throat> for the platform. That was my big. That is my big. That is my ultimate big is a platform. I don't care about the money. I mean, I do. Don't get me wrong, but um, so it was a win, and, but I do need money for that platform to grow for me to, you know, reach other people. Um, so that Wednesday night, I laid it all out on the line and was like, I want that platform. However I need to get there, God, help me out. Hook it up. Well, that was on a Wednesday night. The very Okay, let me tell you about my Wednesday day at work. We have a lady that's in the office. She's in, like, the billing accounts part, accounting part of it. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm horrible at math. I'm not good at anything like that. And they wanted me to do the position. And I was like, okay, you know. Um, but then I heard my boss talking to my other boss saying, we're going to bring this lady back that did this before. And I was like, well, who? Well, whatever. I'll just stay in this position and keep doing what I'm doing. The very next day after Wednesday night, I went into work Thursday and my boss calls me in her office, and I go in there, and I sit down, and she's talking to me, and she's like, looks like she's been crying, and I'm like, I'm about to get fired. They hired that lady, and they don't need me, and she says, we want you to have this position, and we're going to give you a 10% raise. Hallelujah. 10%. Like, who gets a 10% raise? <laughs> and so not only that, but that was the end of the month, um, and I was trying to reach a goal, um, and the makeup that I'm doing, there's like... You get 
you hit different ranks. And I had one specific rank that I was like, God, just let me hit this rank. Like, this would be great. Um, and you get pretty fat bonuses for hitting these ranks. And this is the specific one I wanted. And the very next day, I hit that rank. Wow. So that was my big. Praise the Lord. There's nothing like testimonies because then it takes these principles and shows that it works. Amen. Brenda said the key word, and I, this isn't something I was going to get into today, but I'll mention it as we close. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your substance, with your possessions. It means everything. And with the first fruits of your increase. And, and that's really the key. And uh, as we're going to pray this morning, I want to pray over any and everybody, generally. And I definitely want to pray for anybody who's who's saying, you know what, this message is speaking to me, and I, and I realize I'm not in covenant with God. And the thing that I always say, if anybody has known me very long, or if maybe you're new, you don't know me, I, I like to play it safe. I, I don't like to play around with the things of God, and if there's any question about something, I'm going the safe side, always. You know, we have takes on drinking, and we have takes on a lot of things that the Christian church today is trying to preach and give you give you a leash on those things and I'm just like I'm not doing it because I'd rather get to heaven and have and God tell me you know you could have drank some wine if you wanted you could have drank a beer if you wanted I'd be like oh big loss or get to heaven and say you know you didn't have to give me 10% you could have gave me less then it'd be the other way around and stand before God and God say, you robbed me. You did not give me what was mine. I, I, that's just the way I am. I'm not, I'm not taking no chances. So I'm going to be, and, and not only, and I believe that. I believe what the word says. But I'm just saying that's just my, my character. And I think it should be our characters to make sure that we're doing what God asks us to do. Because God's business is serious. So I don't want to be that person that says, man, God, I've, I failed you because of fear. I failed you because I was afraid to test you. And, and like I said, you're listening to, to them for how many years now? 50, 20 years now? Has God ever failed? Never. I'm not, again, this doesn't go back to that we don't get a bill or we don't have problems. It's not that. That he always, 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 always comes through. And I'm not just talking about just my own personal finances to live. I'm talking about church. You guys got to understand, I don't just... I don't just have to deal with my finances. I have to deal with believing that God's going to keep the church open. And I did that in Costa Rica. I did that with the ministry. So I, I know how to trust God and just say, Lord, if you don't do this, it's going to shut down. And God's never shut it down. I've never shut down. And we know that 7,000 churches close every year. And it might be because the pastor and the people are like, you know what? We're not going to, we just can't afford to tithe. Because we as a church tithe too. Most of you know that. Whatever comes into our church, we take 10% and we give it to missions. We tithe off of our church as well. And so that's the principle. And so the first fruit part is, and let's just all stand this morning. The first fruit part, you've been sitting long enough. I'm going to have some altar time here. The first fruit part is this. That means if it's simple. I get $500. I get paid $500 on a check. My tithe is 50 bucks. I don't get my $500 and then pay my car payment or go buy groceries or pay my electric bill and then with what's left over, tithe off of that like they said. That's not first fruits. That's leftovers. And if you really, I'm only going to teach you how to try this and do it right and you have to make the choice. We're not going to kick you out the church. We're not going to say you're, you're bad. We're just teaching you what to do to be right and to see God move in your finances. It's a step of faith. But what you'll find is, like anything, is as you continue to do the right thing over and over again, it will get to where it's not hard anymore. It's just something you do. You don't even question it. And, you know, if you, if you get paid a direct, you know, if you use a checkbook, write a check out right away. If you, if you get money out of an ATM, I, get, I go get my money out of my ATM and I put my tithe right into my wallet. I, I, I count it and put it right in my wallet and fold it up off to the side before I ever even get here to put it in an envelope. I don't wait. And that's what first fruits is. 
and and I and I promise you I'm saying this out of God's word he says test me in this test me in this and so I'm going to have some more testimonies. I'm definitely going to have my dad testify and my mom because I learned from them. You know, you're talking 40-something years. My mom and dad have, have this year known each other been since they dated 50 years. That's a long time. And they've never seen God fail them in their finances. That's a long time. Amen. And they taught me how to tithe. They taught me how to trust God in very difficult situations. I'm not going to stand up here and say you're not going to have difficult situations. You're going to have moments where you have to choose between a bill or God's tithe. And you have to choose God's tithe. Because if you don't, the devourer is wide open to you. And if you don't, you're saying, God, I got this. I don't ever want to say, God, I got this. I want to say, God, you got this. Amen? So let's just bow our heads real quick. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your provision. Everything we have this morning is because of you. Every good and perfect give comes, gift comes from the Father above. And Lord, you're, there's no variance in you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're a God that wants to, wants to prosper us as our soul prospers. In other words, you want to prosper us as our attitude and our heart is right. If our heart and our, our, heart and our attitude is right, you're going to do great things through us. If it's wrong then we need you to change it. We need you to transform it. We need you to mold it.